Good morning, Renegades. Welcome back to Rogue Radio, and we're gonna do Renegade Times. Yeah. Jump into the trenches with me. I don't really know what we're gonna be doing today, or what you're gonna be listening to today, but... I mean, it's been a while since I've put an episode out. I have been neglecting you guys, and I apologize, so let's just start. If you have any comments, questions, or concerns, feel free to express yourself. (laughs) Feel free to click the links down in the description below of this video, of this podcast. Thank you very much for listening. First up is politics, like always. Okay. Okay, first up is Israel, of course, because they're going through a lot. Israel approves deal to get 50 hostages back from Hamas terrorists report. Um, Okay. Israeli officials voted on Wednesday um, morning local time to approve a deal in which dozens of hostages kidnapped by Hamas will be let go in exchange for Israel releasing um some Palestinian women and minors convicted of crimes uh, from prisons inside Israel. Hamas will uh, release 12 to 13 hostages a day uh, for four days in exchange for um, a ceasefire during that period of time. The Times of Israel reported Israel will release about three times that number to return to their homes um, in Judea and Samaria and East Jerusalem. Israel also reportedly agreed uh, to allow fuel to go into Gaza, as well as the significant amount of humanitarian aid, the report said. Um, Israel military, Israel's military and security agencies all reported reportedly supported the deal. Um, It's not clear when the ceasefire will uh, go into effect. Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu reportedly demanded that that some of the conditions include the possibility for further hostages to be released after after the four-day pause. Um, A a commitment by Hamas to locate and find hostages held by the terror groups inside Gaza, and a refusal to release Palestinians from Israeli prisons who have been uh, convicted of murder, and uh, the report noted, adding that Israel believes Hamas can help locate 30 additional women and children who were taken hostage by other terrorist groups. We are at war, and we will continue the war, Netanyahu said. We will continue the war until we achieve all of our war aims to eliminate Hamas, return um, 
all of their hostages, all of our hostages, uh, and are missing, and ensure that there is no element in Gaza that threatens Israel. The IDF, uh, Sheen Bet, and the Mossad uh, have made it completely clear that the, their professional assessment uh, that the security of our forces will be ensured during the pause and that the intelligence effort will be maintained in those days. He continued, they have made it clear that not only will the war effort not be harmed, but uh, it, it will enable the IDF to prepare the continuation of the fighting. You know, Rogue Radio tries to be a little bit well-rounded when it comes to politics. I try not to repeat myself when it comes to certain issues. <sighs> Let's just get into this. What on earth is this? Woke Museum claims notorious Roman Emperor was transgender. We'll use female pronouns. Okay, for one, how in the world do you know if this person was transgender when you didn't meet them? Did, do you have a you have a time machine in your closet, you know, like how Stewie has, like in his room? You know, are you Stewie? Like, are are you are you the doctor from Doctor Who? I I mean, how do you know? Like for real if this person was transgender back in the day. I'd like to know. I'd like to pick the brain of a woke person. I'll probably come out a little dumber, but I think it's kind of worth it because, you know, I'd like to know. I'd like to know how their brain works. You know, I'm in the mental health facility. You know, I'm, I, I work in a mental health facility. And you know what? I have not actually come across one of these people yet. <laughs> Anyway, the Brit a British museum has decided that an infamous Roman emperor was transgender and will refer him using female pronouns in the name of sensitivity. The North Hertfordshire Museum told the Telegraph that going forward it will refer... Who the hell's that? I'm sorry. I'm trying not to cuss no more because people are leaving reviews saying that I have a foul mouth. Elagabalus? <laughs> Elagabalus? That's how we're going to say it. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sick. You're just going to have to deal with it. Um, Elagabalus? Elagabalus. We're just... I don't even know how to, how do you, how do you pronounce that? Who ruled the Roman Empire from 218 to 222 AD uh, was a, or as a woman, the empire, as a, they, okay, this person ruled the empire as a woman. See, I'm going to have to look this guy up because I did not know about this. I know about Caesar. 
I know about some, you know, Roman emperors. I've never heard of this guy. But anyway, based on uh, the work of contemporary historian uh, Cassius Dio, who said that Elagabalus was uh, termed wife, mistress, and queen. Call me not lord, for I'm a lady, Elagabalus. Um supposedly told a male lover. <clears throat> okay, so maybe they are. But the thing is, there is a thing called a fetish where men like to dress up like women in the bedroom. It's a thing. It doesn't mean that they're like transgender. It just means that that's what they like. Um So yes, I know this because of experience at the uh, place that I work at. We we get we get some interesting people, but yes, I mean dressing up like a man, or no, I'm sorry, a man dressing up like a woman can sometimes be a fetish. There's whole drag shows about it. There's people who cross dress. There's men who cross dress. It, it's it's a thing. Okay, it's a fetish, it's a thing, it it happens. I'm not saying that this person is not transgender. I'm also saying that they they they, they may be. I don't know. I'm this is the first time I'm learning this, but anyway, we're gonna keep going. We know that um Alagabolus <laughs> I need give me a second. I need to learn how to pronounce this guy's name. Excuse me. They did not use <laughs> semen in their bread. I had to correct myself because I was like, that doesn't sound right. And it wasn't. It wasn't right. They did use bread as dildos, which gives another meaning to a yeast infection. But we'll just keep going. <laughs> <clears throat> did I lose it again? I did. My phone is not working. I don't know why. Um... Let me go ahead. I don't know why my phone is acting up today. It just doesn't want to obey me at all. Let me find it again. It's probably because I have so many apps open. However, later historians have debated how seriously some of these descriptions should be taken. Rome was an unapologetically patriarchal society and lacked modern conceptions of gender um, as something independent of biological sex. Uh, while some gender-fluid characters in myth, such as Hermaphrodite, Hermaphroditis, I don't know how you say his name. Hermaphroditis, there you go. Hermaphroditis, um, from whom we get the term hermaphrodite. Um, yes, that just tells me that whoever wrote this had a fetish for hermaphrodites. I just, there's a fetish for everything, people. Please just know that. Some people like whack candle wax poured over their naked body. That's just a thing for people. I d don't understand it, 
But there you go. There's so much more I could tell you guys. There's so much more I could tell you. But we're not here to talk about fetishes, okay? Eh. <laughs> and the blind prophet of uh, Ty- Tiresias, <coughs> who was transformed into a woman for seven years as a divine punishment, after which he was transformed back into a man. Uh, such ambigu- ambiguity uh, wasn't transferred over to flesh and blood people. So, allegations of sexual impropriety uh, or effeminate behavior were stock insults in the Roman uh, political lexicon. Um, surviving. <coughs> Jesus Christ. Surviving uh, histories of the era are often uh, fragmentary and biased, uh, with some unpopular emperors being exclusively remembered by the description of their enemy. So I understand that. that... (coughs) (coughs) I'm really sorry that I'm coughing while recording. I just really want to get something out for you guys. Um... I can understand the humiliation thing, which is also part of the fetish community. Some people like to be humiliated. Um, but I understand that, uh, like in the Roman Empire, that those things might be untrue. But they also did use humiliation as a fetish because if it exists now to where humiliation is a thing that people get off on, it existed back then. I, I'm just saying that. Um, in order for a fetish to kind of like form in in today, there has to be a root to where it came from. But um, anyway, uh, there are many examples of Roman literature of times where um, effeminate language and words were used as a way of criticizing or weakening a political figure. Dr. Shushima Malik a classics professor at Cambridge University told the BBC um, references the Elagabalus Elagabalus I don't know how you say his name uh, wearing makeup wigs and removing body hair may have been written in order to undermine the popular unpopular emperor yeah that is also a possibility but the, like I said there, this is probably not I, I feel like transgenderism could have been a possibility but I also believe that you know there's a fetish to everything um people are attracted to weird stuff and we know that the Roman Empire was ridiculously promiscuous and we know that they did a lot they had a lot of promiscuous sex parties back in the day where men would dress up as women just because they thought it was fun or just because it turned them on. There is a fetish out there. It's I guess it could like fall under role play where men like to dress up as women and they want to play the role of the woman in the bedroom. It happens. Some women some men like to be dominated by women, some women like to be dominated by men. There's a lot of stuff there. There's a lot of stuff to unpack there. But <clears throat> there's drag shows about it now. That's probably where the drag show thing 
came from was from the Roman Empire um, because they dressed up like women because they just enjoyed it. Um, yeah. <clears throat> but Elagabalus, who is widely considered to be one of the worst emperors Rome ever had, ascended to the throne in at the age of 14 <clears throat> at the end of a bloody civil war and uh, was himself assassinated four years uh, later to be uh, replaced by his younger cousin, Alexander Severus. <clears throat> Aside from his reported sexual exploits, Dio tells that uh, he was married at various points to four women and one man and had many uh, extramarital affairs. Um, Elagabalus is also remembered for uh, his promotion of the Syrian sun god of the same name um, and his unpopular religious reforms which were rescinded after his death. Cassius Dio um, lived through Elagabalus's reign and was close to was a close political ally of the replacement of his replacement while he is still respected as a valuable ancient source um, <clears throat> Dio has often been regarded as less reliable than other Roman historians and his descriptions of the late emperor were far from neutral um he both married and was bestowed in marriage for <coughs> he appeared both as man and as woman give me a second all right i'm back <sighs> male and female and in both relations conducted himself the most uh list Lysatious fashion. Okay. In the same amount, uh, Dio repeatedly um, refers to Elag Egalibus. E uh, there we go. Or no, I don't know how you say his name. I'm not even going to pretend to. Elagabalus um, as a pretender to the throne um, and accuses him, among other things, of defiling virgin priestesses dressing and acting like female prostitutes um planning to cut off his own genitals uh seeking out a primitive uh vaginoplasty and says that he ought to have been uh scourged in the forum thrown into prison and then put to death Okay, that that you have some very strong feelings against this guy. Um, that being said, the well-documented sexual behavior of some modern dictators often mirrors ancient allegations of impropriety, which has led to some historians reevaluate claims that had previously been dismissed and as fantastical. Um, the <clears throat> claims made that um, Galabalus or whatever his name is is the historical record 
um, or in the historical record, stand out as particularly extreme, even when compared to other Roman um, inset in in. I don't know why I'm doing this while I'm sick. <laughs> Infective. Which has led some historic historians to believe that uh, he may have genuinely suffered from gender dysmorphia or dysphoria. Um, although others remain skeptical. Like I said, like... I'm not gonna say the dude's not one of the earliest transgenders out there. Like I said, you know, when it comes to fetishes or certain behaviors, it has to have a root somewhere. So I'm not gonna say that he's not, but I am going to say that, you know, there could be other possibilities, like I said, related to fetishes. But anyway. <clears throat> Okay, this one might be a little bit controversial, but... Controversial? Jesus, I am sick. <clears throat> but, you know, Rogue Radio doesn't sweep things under the rug. Because I like to clean. I'm a clean person. I don't like sweeping things under the rug. It doesn't mean that the dirt ain't there. <laughs> but anyway... Congratulations, America. You've raised a generation of terrorist sympathizers. Um, I know exactly what they're talking about when it comes to this. Um, a lot of Gen Z kids, college kids, whatever you want to call them. I don't, I don't really know. Um, <clears throat> they sympathize with Palestinians in this Israeli and Palestine war. Um, and of course, they have their reasons. But anyway, um, yeah, I've uh, listened to the Cooper Stuff podcast where uh, John L. Cooper actually talks about this. And to be honest, he has much more patience and much much more love for the the souls of people than I do, which I greatly respect. I I really hope that one day I'll, I'll get to that point. Um, but. Right now, I just kind of see people as either stupid or really smart at this at this time. I just that's just me. Anyway, Americans are shocked at the rising tide of anti-Jewish propaganda and harassment in the streets in the college campuses. But we should have known that this spirit would predictably predictably arise from the witch's brew of postmodern cynicism, anti-American propaganda, and racialist resentment <clears throat> in which the modern education system is built. It's funny because they'll say something racist and say that they're not racist. I'm sorry? Anti-Jewish propaganda? Anti-Jewish um, stuff that you're spreading kind of sounds like World War II. How the Jewish people were oppressed back in World War II where they weren't allowed to have any type of news. They weren't allowed to have radios in their homes. Any type of um, media that could update them on World War II 
they it was taken from their homes so they were literally in the dark about where their salvation was going to be coming or when it was so who are you gen zers to to do that again apparently you know i i don't fully blame Gen Z. I really don't. You want to know why? Because <coughs> somewhere back in history, we messed up. Because in order for history to repeat itself, something has to be messed up. Something messed up. Okay? I blame whoever messed up in order for Gen Z to be like this. It's called the generational curse. And Gen Z is proudly wearing it. Anyway, a new CAPS uh, Harvard poll shows that the cold reality of the Gen of what Gen Zers believe 59% readily admit that Hamas is a terrorist group of brutal killers who indiscriminately shot, killed, beheaded women, men, and children, yet 51% say that the brutal killing of innocent Israelis is justified because of Palestinian grievances. So you're saying that murder is okay because of oppression? If anything... According to your mentality, Israel should be justified in killing Palestinians because they've been oppressed for thousands of years. Don't get me started. Please don't get me started. I... You all know that Rogue Radio wholeheartedly supports Israel, and I really don't care who has a problem with it. I think I've lost maybe two followers because I support Israel. I don't care. So I apologize if I get really angry when Gen Zers, who know nothing absolutely nothing they claim that they know everything but they don't but they claim to know everything about the controversy of the palestinian and israeli war and all of that and they want to choose sides because they want to feel important that's all they care about gen zers you just want to feel important okay get a job get a real education Learn, open a book, okay? Literally do that. Don't just say that you have a degree in this, all right? Educate yourself because what you're saying and what you're doing and what you're supporting is insane. It is the definition of insanity, okay? I know that there are people 
who are going to, regardless of their education and regardless of how smart they are, are going to, you know, side with Palestine. That's fine. As long as you're a smart person, okay, listen, I don't care. It's Gen Z that I have a problem with, okay? You were toddlers four years ago. You're still acting like one now. Just letting you know. All right? I don't care. Please don't sit here and say that you know everything that is going on when you were a swimming little sperm in your dad's ball sack five years ago. Stop. You know nothing. And the fact that you are picking a side makes you want to feel important. That's how you think. If I pick a side, I will be recognized. I will be able to fight for something. I am a martyr. No, you're not. I'm sorry. You're not. I have a problem with Gen Z, okay? I do. A big problem because they claim to know everything. They claim to know that they're smart. They claim to say that, oh, I'm smart, I'm educated, educate yourself, and all this other stuff to people who have degrees, who are very smart, who have experienced stuff much more than they have ever. Some of you are still living in your parents' basement. Get a job. Stop talking. You know nothing. Anti-Jewish and anti-Israel sentiment is more popular among Gen Z than any other belief in the possible exceptions of unrestricted ab- yeah, of unrestricted abortion and socialism. Uh, what is more, <clears throat> what more would Gen Z have to do for us? To realize this is serious. Uh, venerate Obama bin Laden? Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. Venerate Osama bin Laden? What the fuck? I don't know what they're saying. Not at that point. I don't know what. Well, the bin Laden worship has begun. Oh my god, they're worshiping bin Laden now? Really? So that's, this is what they're talking about. This I did not know about. Last week... Um, His letter to America became the subject of a growing number of TikTok videos with young adults from all walks of life testifying that it has led them to a new appreciation of how terrorism is justified as a tool of resistance against Western power. Listen, if you're anti-America, go ahead and move. Don't tell me that you can't afford it. How about you get a job, work your ass off, and then move, okay? (laughs) It's awful. You know, patriotism used to be a way of being proud of being American. Now we have people saying that being proud to be an American 
is something that you shouldn't be proud of. Like, <clears throat> I'm proud to be an American. I'm a patriot. I'm also a conservative. And technically, I fall under the Republican um, category. And I really don't care. You can call me whatever you want. Alright? Um, I... I just... Seeing how this nation is now seeing seeing people who are so anti-American that they would <coughs> worship Osama bin Laden is I I want to move off this planet. I don't think moving to a new country is uh going to be enough. Anybody anybody want to move to the moon with me? Is there any rocket scientists who can help me build a rocket and then we'll just we'll just have we'll a hundred people, maybe a hundred people, uh, fifty men and women. You know, you decide to, we're gonna make a new civilization on the moon. We're gonna we're gonna meet some aliens and we're gonna have fun and chill with them. All right, who's who's up for moving to the moon? I don't know how we're gonna do it, but listen, we're gonna go ahead and try. We're gonna go ahead and try. Uh, any rocket scientists in interested in building a rocket for me and recruiting a hundred people to go up? up there and procreate and make a new civilization that'd be great let's do that because gen z is stupid so hats off to the american education system you've raised a generation of terrorist sympathizers who hate jews exactly this is nuts we're going back to world war ii i feel like because you know this is like nazi mentality and people like Gen Zers and social justice warriors call patriots Nazis which is kind of ironic I kind of want to laugh at that because you're literally you are exactly what you say that you're against and I mean like I said I can't fully blame Gen Z because they've been indoctrinated so badly now we have generation alpha which Honestly, I have no hope for them. Like, unfortunately, I have no hope for Generation Alpha because they only see Generation Z as an example of who they should be. So they're either going to be copies of Gen Zers or they're going to go come out worse. I don't have any hope for Gen Alpha. I don't. But... <clears throat> Worldviews matter. Sympathy with violent terrorists arises um, out of a racial worldview which rejects truth, insists that America is evil, and asserts that the free market system is immoral. Um, is anyone surprised that the generation is un yeah, untethered uh, from reality? Uh, might cheer for the terrorist group, which... Uh, such as Hamas, as Voltaire said in a very different context, surely whoever can get them to believe absurdities can uh, get them to commit atrocities. Wow, that's very true. Um, <clears throat> this isn't new in America. In the 1930s, according to Gallup, uh, the vast majority of Americans deplored uh, the Nazi treatment of Jews. Yet 8 in 10 opposed giving Jews sanctuary in America and more 
than half believed that the persecution of Jews, uh, at least partly, was their own fault. How is that their own fault when they were literally butchered? You're telling me that six million Jews were butchered because it was their own fault? Make it make sense for me. Because it really doesn't. Gen Z, you are the Nazis. Meanwhile, Hitler was busy indoctrinating German young people in Moss, <clears throat> failing to win majority support among the populace. Hitler uh, bolstered his view of radic- radicalizing the youth um, in just the first year of Nazi dominance. The uh, Hitler youth grew from 50,000 members to 2 million. Uh, that's about um, that's about one, one in five German youth, okay? Um, one in five youths would <clears throat> only be about 5% of the total population, but history shows that the, that it doesn't take a majority to destroy a nation. It requires only an activation of an outraged ma- uh, minority <clears throat> and the, uh, acquis- acquiescence of the rest. A similar thing happened during Mao's cultural revolution in China. The youthful Red Guards rose uh, seemingly out of nowhere, uh, sweeping through the streets with a doctrine of destroying the four olds. Um, old ideas, old culture, old customs, and old habits. They um, humiliated and murdered those they thought held power, such as teachers, property owners, etc. No one, or no, we don't go wearing goose steppers yet. Um, To understand violent uh, movements, though, you have to look past their uh, uniformity of clothing and uniformity of beliefs uh, and hold in lockstep. Or that they hold in lockstep. Okay. Um, And that uniformity of belief is growing among Gen Z. Most young adults have or now believe that absolute truth is not knowable. They uh, embrace cancel culture and are ashamed of America. A rapidly growing number of reject religion. Um, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, they reject religion. That's what I meant to say. Uh, They're primed to accept without question the propaganda of those who wish to overturn Judeo-Christian civilization. Uh, As G.K. Chesterton pointed out, when people stop believing in God, it isn't that they believe nothing, but that they believe, that they will believe in anything. True. Wow. That really sums it up, really. A nation without God is a nation of ruin. This is what happens when you take God out of things. Some say that violent ideologies can't take root in America. We're too smart for that. That's what they said in Germany, but decades of indoctrination in the anti-God philosophies of Nietzsche, Wagner, and Hidegger, um eroded their moral 
um, decision-making ability. Jews uh, were signaled out first for harassment, persecution, then extinction. Um, It was all very slow until it wasn't. Today's anti-Jewish bigotry is more than a geopolitical struggle. It is a spiritual battle. Those wishing to attack society's stability know that they must first attack God. Attacking God means attacking the Judeo-Christian worldview and uh, that says that humans have value because of God. Um, Jews are an ever-present reminder that there is a God and that he has a plan for the world. Everyday anti-God movement from Haman and Old Testament to uh, Bolsheviks to Nazis seeks to destroy them. How do we respond in such a time as this? Parents, educators, and pastors all have a role to play, and some of them don't even care. Like, you know how much I hate the Pope, um, and it, it kind of sucks that some people that I appreciate um, have gone on to meet the Pope and take selfies with the Pope and sympathize with the Pope. Um, I forget the guy's name, but he's the actor who plays Jesus in The Chosen. He actually was seen in a video taking a selfie with the Pope. So, I don't know how you can do that by represent <laughs> by a man who acts as Jesus, who is a Hebrew, who is Jewish, who I know has been acting on set in Israel, goes ahead and sympathizes with the Pope when the Jewish people are against that. Because the Pope only wants to be worshipped? Sir, you just blasphemed. I don't I don't know if I have any respect for you because to be honest, you might not even know. Sometimes I have to give people the benefit of the doubt because they don't know things. And it's not their fault that they don't know things. So I have to be very careful sometimes because sometimes they just don't know sometimes they're just negligent or ignorant to certain things but anyway parents must reinforce to their children that everyday uh yeah that everyday person bears the image of god and that individual violence is never the solution They must explain that Judeo-Christian worldview has provided greater political, religious, and economic freedom uh, than than any other form of society in human history. Communist, Nazi, and jihadist ideas always, always lead to wreck and ruin. Educators must equip uh, students with thinking skills based on truth and teach the difference between propaganda and persuasion. Persuasion is using ethical arguments to enlighten an audience to the truth. Propaganda is using any arguments, ethical or unethical, to deceive um, an audience from seeking the truth. Um, Schools that refuse to acknowledge that truth exists 
should be held accountable. Take your kids out. Stop donating. Um, there will be ways... I'm sorry, there will be always thieves who try to steal the minds of the young, but why in God's name would they back or bankroll them? Um, after World War II, the Jewish community um, admonished uh, us to never forget we have, uh, we have forgotten most of today's college students weren't alive on September 11th, 2001. They have never, or so, I'm sorry, they have no visceral reaction against terrorism. Little, little, I can't read, I'm starting to get very tired. A little in our culture encourages them to remember why it is wrong. Um, It is up to us to replant the seeds of truth once more. See, yes, this is, I agree wholeheartedly with all of that. Okay, you know your girl loves psychology because, you know, I'll tell you the one big mistake I've made in my life is going into cosmetology instead of studying psychology because, oh my god, the things that we learn about neuroscience, neurology, psychology, the things that we are now starting to learn about the brain and how it functions. It's just amazing to me because, you know, the reason why I absolutely love psychology and things to do with the brain is because I've struggled with, you know, mental illness back in the day. I'm not going to say that I don't struggle with it today. It's just not as prominent in my life anymore. Um, But... Figuring out how the brain works really does affect how we approach mental illness as well, and mental health. So, uh, we're gonna go and, um, read this article real quick. This comes from Incorporated, Inc.com, I-N-C.com. Neuroscience says one rather brainless activity can lower your stress and make you more productive. Okay, so... Uh, I'm pretty sure you might know this, but I am a very lazy person when it comes to the opportunity to be lazy. I can work and do the housework and all of that other stuff, but when it comes to being lazy, do not disturb me. I think it's just because I'm a grown-up now and having those moments can sometimes be, uh, rare to be lazy and not be bothered but yeah Um, the current business environment can be intense making the need for creativity crucial to achieve new solutions and original ideas however uh, how do you activate people's creativity at work (laughs) let me tell you something Creativity is a staple from from where I work, because um, I work in the mental health facility, and 
we do occupational therapy every day. But anyway, um, apparently this is about creativity, which is really cool. Um, this will sound far-fetched, but follow the science here. All right. According to a study by Drexel University, art-making activities such as drawing, coloring, or doodling can activate the reward paths in the brain, which is known to boost mental health and creativity. Listen! All of y'all teachers out there that are reprimanding your students for not paying attention and drawing instead of paying attention, listen, they're coping. Stop. <laughs> Leave them alone. <laughs> can't, I, I have not, I can't even, like, count how many times a teacher has come up to me and said, Stop drawing, Sarah. You're a nuisance. <laughs> no, they haven't told me I'm a nuisance. But they have said, like, hey, quit drawing. You know, pay attention. Listen. I'm just like, listen, um... I, I like to draw, and I'm still paying attention, in a way. <laughs> uh, Near-infrared spectro... spectroscopy? Okay. Technology to measure blood flow related to rewards in areas of the brain while participants completed various art-making projects. The activities included coloring in a mandala, uh, doodling within or around a circle marked in a, on a paper, and having free drawing sessions, uh, each for free, I'm sorry, <laughs> each for three minutes. Uh, with rest periods in between. During all three activities, there was an increase of blood flow in the prefrontal cortex of the brain, which forms a part of the writing for our brain's reward circuit. See, I didn't know that. I thought the prefrontal cortex, which is located around the forehead area, if I'm not mistaken, that is basically your personality. That's what makes you you. So, like, if you are a technical person, that's basically just part of your personality, which would be located in the prefrontal cortex. I'm sure there's another part of the brain that does trigger that technical part of you, but it's written here, like, in your cortex that that's who you are. Um, but, anyway... This shows that there might be an inherent pleasure in doing art activities independent of the end results, said the study's lead author. The advantages of creating art can go beyond just the pleasure of the activity itself. According to surveys, uh, before and after the art-making activities, participants who engaged in art-making felt more creative and were better able to solve problems. Um, and these findings have important implications and highlight the inherent benefits of art in promoting creativity, focus, productivity, and well-being. Uh, but there's one clear winner in all its art making. Doodling gives you more benefits. See, see, I know now why in school I used to just doodle all the time. <sighs> oh, 
between drawing, coloring, and doodling, uh, the latter takes the cake. When you are facing a challenge, project, or problem at work and feel stuck, the solution is to start doodling. Doodling is a simple and accessible activity that can help you tap into your creative side and generate new ideas. In doodling, uh, your mind is free to wander and you can explore different thoughts and possibilities. See, there is a, uh, there, <laughs> there is a benefit for disassociating sometimes when it comes to hard work. Disassociation is just interesting. So when, <coughs> when I say disassociation, I don't mean like staring out into space. Apparently, according to Alpha Talks, who is amazing at researching mental health and spirituality and how that those things tie together, I recommend going to see his channel. I know I've recommended him many times before, but apparently, like, depersonalization and disassociation are two different things. So disassociation just means, like, like you're not associating with the outer environment that you are um, kind of... Um, in at the moment and you're doing your own thing depersonalization disorder as far as I can tell is basically you staring out into space being the backseat driver in your own mind sort of um, but everybody calls that disassociation in this society but when I say disassociation I mean like doing something on your own terms because that's your coping mechanism like drawing in class and stuff like that so um, I kind of learned that as I talked about disassociation there are two different types of that whenever I have a conversation about that certain topic so that's why I decided to throw that in there but the act of doodling can help reduce stress anxiety uh, making it an excellent tool for improving your overall well-being, which also will make you more productive. Doodling, um, the research suggests, uh, can evoke positive emotions and should be considered a therapeutic tool for everyone, regardless of their skill level. After all, we're taking, I mean, sorry, we're talking doodling here, a judgment-free activity. Exactly, exactly. Um... Since doodling frequently can have a positive impact on your mood, um, according to the research, the more you doodle, the stronger your mood-boosting effect can be. Um, studies have been shown that doodling um, can help reduce stress and create a focused mindset. Um, besides its re uh, stress-reducing capabilities, doodling can... Um, enhance a person's problem-solving and communication skills in the workplace. Uh, many successful people use doodling to boost their creativity and focus, and the fact changes um, this misconception that doodling is a mere distraction. See, that's the thing, like, back in my time in high school and in junior high and even elementary, the teachers just would hate that when a student would doodle. I don't know how it is now. <laughs> Things are a little bit more progressive now in the educational system, but um, 
I mean, back in the day, our teachers did not like it, and that's probably why... That's probably because the dis... I hate when when I start talking, I'm trying to find the right words to say. It's like my brain can sometimes be a little slower when I talk. But anyway, it's probably because the uh, research has not come out at that time. So there was like a stigma with kids not paying attention or it looked like that we weren't paying attention. So the next time you feel overwhelmed or need a break, take a few minutes to grab a pen and paper and let your mind wander. You might be surprised at the results. Overall, doodling is a simple yet effective practice that can benefit everyone. I agree wholeheartedly. I love that. You know, I really hate when you read and you record a nice chunk of recording and it's really good and it's really informative and then all of a sudden Spotify for Podcasters app loses what I just read. You had one job. how long it's been. I want to say it's been a month trying to get this episode out, but we're just going to keep trucking. That's what we're going to do. Anyways, uh, I had caught wind of T.D. Jakes and P. Diddy doing the giggity. You know, they uh, T.D. Jakes likes to play with the Diddy titties. I mean, come on. I mean, you can't show up to P. Diddy's parties unless you are either wanting money or wanting sex. And to be honest, the man's rich. Why in the world would T.D. Jakes want money? I think he been there for the ditty. Okay, this comes straight out of TikTok. We don't know if this is true or not, but do I believe that there is a big possibility of it being true? Hell yes. You want to know why? Because to be honest, the way that P. Diddy and T.D. Jakes kind of like behave with each other is a bit iffy. It's a bit kind of, it's kind of, kind of gay. Just a little bit. Uh, I, I don't, I don't know. And maybe it's just because I'm from Toledo and Toledo is a mixed bag of different versions of men. But a lot of the time, like you don't see a grown man laying his head on the chest of another grown man while they're taking pictures and videos. Um, you know, I don't, it's hidden in plain sight for me. Um, and I just, you don't do that. You don't do that with another man unless they're, you're really, really into them. But anyway, like I said, this comes straight out of TikTok. TikTok is not a reliable source. So that's why I'm saying we don't know if this is true or not. This is all alleged news. Um, but to be honest, TikTok does have its moments. Sometimes I will say in very rare moments that, you know, TikTok can be more accurate than the news. But um, like I said, that's one in a million chances sometimes. So 
uh, Cassie, who is P. Diddy's ex, but they've been together for 10 years, um, turns over Kim Porter's burner phone. And for those of you who don't know who Kim Porter is, all of this is news to me. I've never really taken an interest in P. Diddy or T.D. Jakes until now. So all of this is brand new to me. So if I'm spitting out old news, I'm sorry. Um, but Kim Porter is, uh, one of the ladies that he had been involved with. I don't know whether he was dating her or married to her, but she, she did pass away. And, um, then I'm guessing he started dating Cassie and Cassie had ended up, uh, getting a hold of her burner phone that contains material of T. Jakes and Diddy having sex at his parties. Um, there are also alleged videotapes and a USB also, uh, that have been turned into the feds that contains a lot of celebrities that have committed sex crimes. Also, um, contains Cassie getting, um, you know that thing, um, in sex where a lady takes a shower but it's not real water? That. Um... And T.D. Jakes attending sex parties and abroad. So there are, um, these are the rumors that are going around. So, okay, so Jaguar, I think that's her name. Let me, let me go ahead and check. Yes, her name's Jaguar Wright. And, um... She had, she's been in the industry, I think she said that she was an attorney at one time, I don't know if she is now. Like I said, all of this is new to me, so if I get something wrong, I am terribly sorry, but anyway. She does say that TD was there for either sex or money, and like I said, uh, never mind, it was probably one of the previous recordings that I deleted, but anyway. TD Jakes is very wealthy. The, his congregation gives him a lot of money. So to me, he doesn't need any more money. So the fact that he would come to his parties for either sex or money, it has to be sex. Because why would a man, a man of God, or a supposed man of God, go and get money at parties, you know, just like have an opportunity to earn more money at his parties when he already has a million dollars, maybe five jets, I don't know, um, and a giant church where even celebrities like Oprah, you know, twerk for Jesus, you know, at his church. But Diddy has also had, he has allegations of victimizing Usher and Bieber as well. Usher was exposed to sexual behavior and even shared a bed with Diddy, which, again, I don't see how a another grown man and another grown man can lay in bed with each other and not be gay. Um, I don't know how old Usher was at this time, but even if he was young, this would have raised a lot of red flags. There is a young man that um, is suing T.D. Jakes for an incident when he was 10. He was forced to be a top. And parents were members of the Potter's House but left in 2015. So this is um, something that someone had claimed. This is something that um, 
someone had, um, you know, accused T.D. Jakes of, there is a legal process that is going on with that right now. Of course, T.D. Jakes paid them to keep quiet, um, and Jakes lawyered up messing uh, I guess uh, he's been messing with Christian Keys. I don't know who that is. Tyler Perry, of course, because why not? Because I feel like he's very close to Tyler Perry as well. And from all of this, it does sound like T.D. Jakes and P. Diddy, they sound like homosexual pedophiles if they have been victimizing Usher, Christian Keys, um, these children that have come out and said I was you know, victimized at 10 years old. So yeah, it it sounds like from the news right now that we're getting that both of them are homosexual pedophiles. But um, T.D. Jakes has also been caught wearing a mason ring. Um, the Potter's house... Oh, the Potter's house will fall. Okay, so there was a woman <clears throat> on TikTok who claims that she's a prophetess. You know how I am with people who call themselves prophets, apostles, epistles, uh, preachers, pastors, uh, what's another one? A prophet is a real big one. To me, if you're on TikTok claiming that you're a prophetess, it's gonna be very hard for me to take you seriously. Because a prophet is never going to call themselves a prophet. I just... To me, a prophet has this sense of humility to where they won't call themselves anything but a person who serves Jesus Christ. So anybody who calls themselves a prophet, I don't believe that you're a prophet. Okay? But this is what this prophetess does say. That... um, T.D. Jakes will be exposed, his legacy will fall, and he will die with, um, with no legacy at all because of what he did. Like, he'll die with no riches, he'll die with, he'll be buried with no legacy at all because of what he did. The potter's house will fall. That's one of the things that she did say. And I can't, I can't, you know, say that she's, you know, wrong yet because look at what's happening now. You know, to me, I just don't think that any prophet should have any business being on TikTok. I don't know. That's just me. But it has been rumored many, many, many times that Diddy holds ritual gay parties and T.D. Jakes is a frequent member and the person that he really likes to be around is P. Diddy most of the time. Um... He did officiate uh, Kim Porter's funeral, and I don't know how or why T.D. Jakes wants to be affiliated with a man who's been an abuser for so long, um, and I, I just really, I really don't know. I, he's, he's a violent person, so why would a preacher want to be affiliated with that? Apparently, P. Diddy had broken Kim's nose at one time, um, so he is known to be abusive. Mace also speaks out about the allegations. Um, there are colleagues that accused him of being gay, 50 Cent for one. 
Oh my god. <laughs> One of P. Diddy's, uh, you know, former security guards does confess that he shops for, you know, that thing that you, uh, put in a wine bottle to keep the wine fresh? Uh, it's not a cork, it, it plugs up things in the bedroom. That thing. But apparently P. Diddy doesn't just do this to slake his own lust. Um, he also does this to assert his dominance over people. Um, his security guard did quote P. Diddy saying if... And I'm going to be paraphrasing one thing here because, you know. But he does say, if I can make a man suck my Diddy stick, I can make him do anything. And I paraphrased one word, so you guys are gonna have to leave that up to the imagination. <sighs> but <clears throat> there are also claims that um, he had forced Chris Williams to do, you know that thing that happens when you wanna have a sucker and, and you suck on it? That thing. But in the end, all of this is alleged at the moment. Um, I will be following up on this story. So, yes. Oh, yeah. No, I almost forgot. I forgot. The kicker for me was that T.D. Jakes is rumored to be a power bottom. So, basically, what a power bottom is, is that he orders the top what to do to him. That that That's pretty much what a power bottom is. Like, you do as I say, you know... And I'll be I'll be satisfied. I, and yeah, that's that's the story. Anyway, we're we're gonna go on to the next story. Okay, <clears throat> excuse me. Here are nine signs on how. Yeah, if you recognize these nine behaviors, you're dealing with a high-level narcissist. So you know me. I love psychology, so we're just going to go ahead and do this. Number one is grandiosity. Um, high-level narcissists are not just confident. They're grandiose. They have an infatuated, or I'm sorry, inflated sense of self-importance that goes beyond healthy self-esteem. They believe that their superior so wow, superior, special, and unique, often without the accomplishments to back up such beliefs. Yeah, that's true. Let's see. This grandiosity isn't just evident in how they perceive themselves, but also in how they present themselves to the world. They have a knack for making everything about them seem larger than life. Let's see. Their stories are always the most interesting, their problems are always the most pressing, and their accomplishments are always overshadowing, overshadowing everyone else's. Um, if you notice this behavior, you're likely dealing with high-level narcissists. Um, recognizing this trait can be a key to understanding how to navigate your interactions with them effectively. See. I hate narcissists, and most of the time, I will call them out on their bullshit. Because I'm just like, yo, you're not 
you're not that special. Like, why, why are you acting like that, bro? You don't need to do all of that. Just be yourself. But there are people... I mean, narcissism is a real, like, mental uh, disorder. It is something... It's a mental illness. So, and it mostly probably comes from not getting enough attention as they were younger. So, they have to feel... They feel like they have to puff themselves up to a point where they're greater than everybody in order to be interesting. And that that's one of the main reasons why we do get narcissists out there. But um, another one is lack of empathy. So in my personal experience, one of the most uh, glaring signs of high-level narcissist is their lack of empathy. Once I knew someone who could turn any conversation into a monologue about their own life, and when I tried to share my own experiences or feelings, there was no recognition, no understanding, and certainly no empathy. For example, once when I was going through a tough breakup, this person didn't comfort me or offer words of comfort or support. Um, Instead, they launched into a long story about their own past heartbreaks, completely disregarding my feelings and my need for comfort at the time. This clear lack of empathy is often a telling sign that you're dealing with a high-level narcissist. Anybody who ends up turning the conversation to themselves is most likely someone who can only not just be a narcissist, but for me, I feel like a narcissist does that because one, the attention is taken away from them, but it's also a way to express themselves when they can't do it normally. So in a narcissist's mind, they're the ones that that are going through the most They're the ones that are the most successful. They're the ones that are the most everything. So when they come to a situation where someone is venting to them, they don't know how to receive that. So they will either get agitated and say, oh, well, you know, I I don't want to hear this. You're a crybaby. Or they will be like, well, how do you think that this makes me feel? I went I went through this as well and much worse than you. And it's mostly just because they feel a bit envious that they haven't actually gone through as much as you have. It's all, it's all about competition. It's all about how things look in a narcissist's mind. Um, and there's also just a lot of side comments about stuff like that when it comes to a narcissist. And you, it's very easy, I feel like, in this society today to pick up on what a narcissist does and says. It's easy to spot. Um, number three is constant need for admiration. High-level narcissists have a constant need for admiration. They crave attention and praise from others and often go to great lengths um, to obtain it. This is because narcissists have a fragile sense of self-esteem. Despite their grandiose exterior, they require constant validation to bolster their self-image. Yet they are only as 
wonderful as the approval in the room that that's how they you know that's how they get by um when narcissists end up you know saying all these great things about themselves they're wanting someone to bounce back off of what they say and say oh yeah you are pretty great you are pretty awesome you know but in the end it's it's all for show it's all just to be loved um even narcissists need to be loved in a real way instead of this way instead of like a way of where they're constantly admired and praised for the things that they either said they have done and didn't do or they did in a very like a very long time ago sort of thing um But according to the Diagnostic Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, the DSM-5, a a persistent need for excessive admiration is one of the key criteria for diagnosing narcissistic personality disorder. Um, If you notice this behavior in someone, it's a strong indicator that you're dealing with a high-level narcissist. Number four is sense of entitlement. I... What did I... I leaned back and something... Never mind. I landed on something. (laughs) Anyway, um, a sense of entitlement. I feel like a lot of people, especially now, since we have Gen Z who are in, who feel like they're entitled to insult everybody now about everything, their beliefs, their everything. I, I don't... I don't see how there's anything that Gen Z has not shown narcissism about. But, um, this is a really big one, um, and I do feel like this also comes from a home where they've been sheltered, um, where the... Jeez. Did you guys hear that child scream? (laughs) Jesus Christ. But this comes from a home where the parents have um, praised this child so much to where they cannot do any wrong. And I have experienced this in like my own life where um, I've had a neighbor that thought, like, okay, I used to live in a very communal um not communal. It was a very community-based type of, like, apartment complex. So, this neighbor that I had, um, he was invited to a party downstairs, uh, right under my apartment. And a fight broke out that night. And I found out from another neighbor that it was because he was, um, hitting a kid upside the head with a, like, an empty two-liter bottle. And I don't know whether the ki- the guy was playing with this kid or not, but the mother was pissed that he, he was doing this. And so a fight broke out, and he had to be rushed to the hospital. There was blood on the pavement and everything. And, um, I also found out that it was because of his reaction, because he didn't really think that he was doing anything wrong, um... He, he was just, he just kind of put his hands up like, what, what I do, you know, during the party. So, um, 
I also found out that the reason why he reacted like that is because his mom praised him constantly saying, oh, you can't do any wrong. You're the best child ever. You're this, you're that, you're awesome. There's no punishment involved in her parenting, apparently. So that's that story for you uh, from what I've personally kind of seen from a distance in my life. Um, But high-level narcissists often display a sense of entitlement. They believe that they deserve special treatment and that the world should revolve around their needs and desires. They expect others to uh, cater to them and become impatient or angry when they don't get what they want. They demand respect without earning it and believe that the rules and social norms don't apply to them. Um, This is the entitlement that can uh, make it challenging to deal with them. And this is, or yeah, as they often disregard the feelings and needs of others, uh, recognizing this behavior can help manage the interactions of high-level narcissists quite effectively. Number five is exploitive behavior. So we're going to go ahead and cut this short real quick. I'm going to come back. Okay, next is exploitive behavior. And another key characteristic... Um, hang on. I lost my place. Another key characteristic of high-level narcissists is their tendency to exploit others. They often use people around them to achieve their own goals without any regard uh, for the feelings or well-being of those they exploit. Uh, They may manipulate, deceive, or even bully others uh, to get what they want. Their relationships are typically one-sided, where they receive all the benefits while the other person gives all of the effort. Um, If you notice someone... Uh, constantly taking advantage of others for their own gain, it's a significant indicator that uh, you're dealing with a high-level narcissist. Number six is emotional neglect. Um, An aspect of high-level narcissism is uh, that often goes unnoticed is emotional neglect. Narcissists are so caught up in their own world that they often fail to recognize or care about the emotions and needs of others. Um, This can be heartbreaking, especially if you're close to that person. Um, You might find yourself feeling alone, unheard, and unimportant, even when you're with them. It's like being invisible in a crowd, um, feeling that, or a feeling that can leave deep emotional scars. Everyone deserves to be heard and cared for. And that's something that you all know I've gone through in my life where I've had uh, family members that just refused to listen to my voice. They didn't take my opinion seriously. They didn't take what I said seriously. They, They always believed that Sarah was the mentally ill girl that doesn't know anything. And to me, that is a display of narcissism. And um, 
Number seven is a superiority complex. So I've encountered individuals uh, who seem to believe that they are superior to everyone else. They would dismiss others' opinions, skills, achievements, believing that they know better. Once in a group project, I had a team member who dismissed everyone else's ideas and insisted on doing things his way. Um, he believed that his that he was always right and could do no wrong. Uh-huh. Um, these superiority complexes made collaborating uh, virtually impossible and caused a lot of friction uh, within the team. Um, if you come across someone with this kind of attitude, it's quite possible that you're dealing with a high-level narcissist. Number eight is excessive need to control. Um, I've I've had friends like this who just need to control the situation, who need to, you know, feel like they're in control of certain things. And that, I feel like, mental health-wise, I feel like that comes from, uh having a chaotic home where they're not in control of anything or that they have been controlled for so long but they were never really kind of taken into consideration of what they wanted um so sometimes narcissists will flip that and control because narcissism i just i don't believe is just a mental illness i believe it's a learned behavior as well um so, narcissists often have a high have an excessive need to control situations and people around them. This is a way for them to maintain an inflated self-image and ensure things always go the way they want. Whether in a personal relationship or a professional setting, they impose their ideas, plans, and preferences, often disregarding the feelings or opinions of others. Um, they can become impatient or angry and they feel they're losing control. Um, this need to control can be exhausting for those around them and they uh, may result in strained relationships. Um, number nine is lack of accountability. They can do no wrong. They will gaslight and they will project things that they have done onto you. That's a staple narcissistic trait. Um, the most crucial behavior to watch out for is when dealing with a high-level narcissist is their lack of accountability. Uh, they rarely, if ever, accept responsibility for their actions or mistakes. Instead, they deflect blame onto others and they and make excuses for their behavior. They see themselves as faultless and believe they are that any problems are because of someone else. Um, this refusal to accept responsibility can be incredibly damaging, especially in close relationships. Recognizing this behavior is vital when dealing with a high-level narcissist. And that's it for today. I will. I, I do want to, you know, go ahead and say thank you for all of the. I think I think we're up to 81 countries um, that are listening to Rogue Radio. I am deeply and will always be thankful 
for anyone who tunes in to my episodes, to my podcast. I appreciate you greatly. Even if you don't like me, I've had some, you know, bad reviews on Spotify a few times, and that's okay. I still appreciate the the constructive criticism. I do, because... Um, you know, that thing, I let my haters be my motivators. I'm not going to go ahead and sit here and explain myself all the time. I'm not going to sit here and let people bring me down because for that one bad review, there's tons of other countries that are listening to me that may actually believe that I am a good source of information. So that one review is just a grain of sand on a beach to me. It's there, but it's almost unnoticeable. Um, but like I said, if you hate me, if you love me, I'm just really happy that you're listening. Um, we are up to 81, 81 to 83 countries. I can't remember. I have to go ahead and count them all again. Um, Sweden is in one of the top, uh, you know, listeners at the moment. Thank you, Sweden. I, I absolutely adore you. Uh, Britain and Ireland are also listening a lot. Canada, um, a lot of other countries um, below that. Israel is listening, and I am very, very honored that Israel is listening. Um, I always try to talk about Israel with great respect and with great accuracy um, because I just... I, I know that you guys are going through a lot right now, and I want to be able to give that information as accurate and as respectful as possible. Um, I think uh, we have reached the country Namibia. I think that's how you say it. Um, it's an African country up in the north northwest. Um, I think that's how you pronounce it. I thought it was pronounced Nambia, but I, I don't I don't think so. Um, I had to actually go and watch a video on how to pronounce this country. It's Namibia. And well, thank you, Namibia, for listening. I am very, very grateful. We are also um, being streamed in Gambia. We are also being streamed in Bhutan, Estonia, Chile. Um, Uruguay, uh, Poland is also listening. There's just so many of you that are listening, and I adore each and every one of you. Um, we have small, very, very small island countries like Jersey and Mauritius that are also listening, which I, I am gobsmacked. Like, listen... We have big countries like Russia that are listening, which which is amazing to me, but it really does blow me out of the water when I hear of a country that I've never heard of that is listening, and I get to research where that's at, and I'm like, I'm blown away. I'm like, yo, y'all listening too? This is great. I am so thankful, and... That's the best Christmas present for me, <laughs> to be honest, um, is to have a brand new country that is listening. That that really makes me happy, and um, I hope that you guys continue to support Rogue Radio and listen to Rogue Radio because 
I love you guys with all of my heart. Even if you hate me, I don't care. I still love you. Um, and thank you. Thank you so much. And I hope you guys all have a wonderful Merry Christmas. If you don't celebrate it, I just hope you have a beautiful day. Alright? I know this is coming after the day of Christmas, but listen, some people, you know, have an extended celebration. So for those who are extending that celebration, have a great day. Be safe. Be blessed. I love you. Thank you so much. I will see you in the trenches next time.